0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Boas Briefs. This is part uh, two of uh, Challenges when interacting with uh, Web APIs, a uh, series uh, requested by my friend uh, Rich, the uh, API guy. And in this series, I am talking about uh, well, my, my thoughts on uh, challenges when interacting with Web APIs. In the previous episode of the series, I talked about state, about how if you have a client uh, consuming a web API that you will probably uh, copy some server state over to the client. And then the challenge is to how to keep those two states in sync. And this is particularly a problem when your uh, client is a, uh, for example, a browser uh, rendered uh, uh, client app, for example, built with uh, JavaScript, React or whatever. Today we will be talking about the uh, structure of the data. So not the data itself, but the structure of it. So we could say that the types, uh, the contracts of the data structure of the API you're consuming. For um, for the structure of the data, kind of the same thing is applicable that we copy things over to the client. So for example, if the, the response of an uh, API call has a specific data structure, then the client consuming that API should know this uh, structure in order to to do something with it. For example, if you have a UI, you might want to display the response data of a GET request you're doing. If if from that client app you also can update, create, or delete uh, data, you need to know the structure of the data that is expected by the API when you uh, send a POST request, for example. So on the client, you kind of have a copy of what is defined on the API in terms of the structure of the data that is going back and forth between the uh, client and the API. Um, The fact that this is a copy is because uh, your client app is physically separate from the API you consume. That's the situation we are talking about here. Uh, for your application, you, you need to know the structure of the data you need to send to the API and the structure of the data that you will receive from the API. And if this structure is unexpected, then your application might break. So how can you be sure that this uh, data is as much as possible uh, structured in a way that, that you expect? Now, there are two very common tools that can help you with this. The first is that your programming language might be uh, strictly typed, because that means that you can define the types of the data that you expect to receive from an API, but also the structure of the data that you want to send to the API. And whether you have a strictly typed language or not, another tool we have is, of course, uh, testing. So we will test that our application sends the right data to the API and also handles the data that comes back from your API in the right way. Now, types and tests are super useful and important tools, of course. But there is one problem with this. And that is that these things are defined within your own system. They fall within the boundary of your system. So within your app, you have defined the types. You have created tests. And of course, these types and these tests, uh, they work alongside together. So Uh, Maybe you use some mocking, and these mocks are also based on these types. But the problem is that these things are all defined within your application, within the boundaries of your application. And that means that you kind of hope and expect that these types, these definitions, these mocks and these tests are all representing how the real API also behaves and expects things. And these tests and types you, you define and you use during building your application, uh, testing it, and compiling it. So it's mainly helping the developer to, to build an app that should work correctly. And then you start your app, you really use it, so your app runs at runtime, and then it appears that, possibly, that the API is different from what you've expected. So you've got all these types and all these tests, and still it doesn't work. Because at runtime, things appear to be a little bit different. So how can we prevent these things from happening? Because in the end, the client consuming the API is not in control of what are the actual types of things. The single source of truth is on the API side. They have defined what the data structure is of everything that's going back and forth between client and server. So what can we do to prevent? or at least minimize uh, problems with this. Now, if you're using an API that is built by another team or another company, but you know these people, then you might have a way of communicating with them and even collaborating with them. And that can already, of course, help in, uh, well, making sure that everything just works and that you really uh, help each other to keep things working. Another thing is, of course, that it's very important that things should not change all of a sudden. So, for example, you've built uh, your app and you're consuming the API and everything works and then at some point they've changed the API and then some, somehow it all stopped working. There are of course also other ways to make sure that things keep on working. Uh, good documentation, a detailed description, or even a specification of how the API works. Even better is a specification uh, provided by the people that built the API, which can be automatically generate types for you, or other things you might need in your codebase. So types, uh, mocks, whatever uh, you need in your codebase to interact with the API based on what they provided you. Because if you can generate these things in your code base, then the source of it comes from them. So the chances that the things will just work is a lot bigger, of course. Maybe the people of the API even provide some kind of a package or an SDK you can use or just anything else that can serve as a contract, as an agreement between you and the people of the API so that you know that it probably will just work. And again, like I just already said, if you can automate this, so if the API people can provide you with something that you can use to automatically generate code in your codebase, that's probably one of the most safest things you can do. Because just uh, typing over something from the docs or copy-pasting it and then hoping for the best is not not ideal. To uh, prevent uh, sudden changes in the data structure, uh, versioning could also be a good solution where the API provider um, does not change things unless they release a new version of the API. Because then, as a client, you can choose whether and when you want to use the new version, especially when the new version has uh, breaking changes. So also a clear communication and documentation about these kinds of changes with versioning is a good, good thing to strive for. Until now I've been talking about some, well actually pretty common ways of making the integration between your app and the API Uh, better so you will have types and you have tests and there are good documentation there are good specification you can even generate your own code from it but still all these things like i said before they kind of mainly help you during develop and compile time and not always during runtime so let's close this episode off with um, two ways of kind of helping you to also detect problems during runtime, and then perhaps preventing problems. The first way is input validation. We all know input validation uh, from uh, users filling in web forms, and then uh, you, of course, need to validate what they fill in. But you can also use input validation for API responses. So in your app, as soon as you send a request to an API, and then you will receive back the response, then you In your app, you have defined the types, the structure of the data that you expect to come back from the API. And if at that moment the structure is not as you expect, then you can well kind of stop processing that request. Because it has no use, because the rest of your code assumes, based on your types, what and how it should do things, and if the structure is not as you expect, then the yeah, the request just has failed. So then you need some way of, of knowing, I guess you need logging or even maybe an alarm system or whatever because it can be a pretty severe problem. But then at least you have detected a problem at the at the front door of your application, at the boundaries of your application. And this could even mean that you can detect bugs in the external system, so in the API. So so if the, the API you call uh, has specified that, the data structure is as follows but then in the in, in, in reality it's something else then your, your app can detect it and they you can even find bugs and report them to the people of the api in the the javascript ecosystem we have a tool called uh, zod which is a library and with this library you can uh, describe uh, types in in their own way and from this description you can then generate types Which you'd use during develop and and compile time but you can also generate input validation from the same description and this input validation you can use during runtime so result could be a nice way of of handling this in a uh, javascript uh, or typescript uh, environment Uh, if you uh, if you're familiar with elm elm has this as well baked in Um, elm has a runtime so if If the runtime calls your API, because your own code will not do that, the the runtime will do that for you. And if the runtime detects that the type definition in your code is different from what the API returned, then the runtime will, uh, well, call the code, call your code, uh, the part that handles errors the same as it would handle uh, unexpected status codes it will also call your code uh, in case of an unexpected uh, data structure. So um, having this either with a library like SOT or baked in your language is, is a very nice way of making sure that you detect uh, these kinds of problems uh, in time. A second, perhaps not very common way of handling these kinds of things is contract testing. Personally, I never heard of it uh, until recently. and I also never done it, So, but what I know from it is that you will verify your types and your mocks against a real API, against the real API. So, if this test uh, points out that the data structure in your own code is not as the real API has, then you know that there's something wrong and then your test will fail and you know you need to change something. This can uh, especially be convenient when you don't know or you cannot trust uh, the people behind the API and they will just change things without you knowing. And then having these t- tests in place can be very uh, interesting. So with this, I'm coming towards the end of this episode. Um, I did not go really deep into things, it was more of an overview of some concepts. Uh, but let me quickly give you a conclusion of some of the things i said. said. Um, so we can define types and we can create tests and have also mocks based on types in our own application. But these things, they exist within the boundaries of our own application. So they might not always represent what the real API is like. So having a specification or even versioning and a good collaboration with the people behind the API can really help to, to prevent as much as you can problems uh, while using the API. And if you want some more assurance also during runtime, then having some kind of input validation or even contract testing can help to uh, make your uh, application more robust. I hope that uh, this episode was somewhat uh, helpful to you. Uh, If you have any feedback for me, because I'm also learning, then uh, please uh, contact me through Twitter. Uh, My handle is boa b-o-u-w-e or visit my my blog at uh, boa.io and uh, yeah please let me know what you think if uh, you have any feedback for me and other things i could look into uh, i think it's a pretty interesting topic uh, many of the things i said we could dive in deeper i guess so maybe that's something for our next episode um, and uh, yeah uh, thanks for listening and uh, see you next time